So we're continuing in our series uh, called The Jesus Revolution, and uh, looking this morning at Mark, still chapter 1, and uh, verses 40 to 45. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. Then Jesus said to, sent him on his way with a stern warning, Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. So another episode early in the life of uh, Jesus in Mark's gospel, and so As we said, Mark's gospel starts at a different point, starts a little later, doesn't tell us the Christmas stories. He starts with Jesus' baptism, and uh, and then he follows up with these stories that set the tone and and tell you who Jesus is and how he operates. And and even as he ends his baptism and and God's voice booms from heaven, only Jesus hears it. And so those present there don't get to know what we know, that Jesus is God's own son. And so they see him as, as a simple other peasant that's down there being baptized for the forgiveness of sins, like every other sinner in the water, except that we know that he's sinless God of very God of very God. And so there's, that's the background that we have in Mark's gospel as he unfolds the story. And then he comes to this episode and, and he tells this story. And this one starts with a leper. And so it says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And so he says this one little thing, and as, as you kind of look at Mark's gospel, it's the shortest one, and not just because they leave out stuff like the Christmas story, but because the way he tells the story, he unpacks it, and there are details that he doesn't spell out for you, but we see behind the scenes. And so he says this man with leprosy comes and kneels in front of Jesus. And if you're paying attention, he basically has two questions. And he's got answers, but the two questions are, is Jesus willing to help him? And can Jesus help him? He's got a problem. He's got this disease. He's got leprosy. And so he suffers physically and he suffers emotionally. And and lepers are outcasts from society because people don't want to touch them. They don't want to be near them. And so he's used to being separated from everybody in his world and feeling very alone. And he says to Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me. So the two questions, are you willing and can you heal me? Jesus answers those, or he, the man has answers for those questions. Can, Can Jesus heal him? He would say, yes, Jesus can heal me, right? He says, if you're willing, you can heal me. He believes in the power of Jesus, 
But where he struggles, is Jesus willing? Can Jesus heal me? Yes, Jesus can heal me. But when he says to him, what he says to him about being willing is he says, if you're willing. Like, I don't know if you want to or not, but if you wanted to, you could. It's a maybe on the willing, but it's a yes on the power. He believes in the power of Jesus. He's just not sure that Jesus is willing to use his power to bring healing and wholeness to him. And so he wants to be healed and he wants to be cleansed, right? He's got two asks of Jesus. Can you, can you heal my body, but you, can you cleanse me in, in such a way that I'm clean? Lepers were thought to be unclean. There was a reason that they were the way they were, and you stay away from them. You don't associate with them. You don't touch them. And so he says, if you're willing, you can, but I know you can, but, but, but I don't know if you're willing. So he believes in the power of God to heal, but he doesn't know if God wants to heal him. He knows that God can bring healing. He believes that, but he's not sure whether Jesus would or not. And, and, and all kinds of people approach God that way. They might believe that God exists. They might even believe that he's powerful, but they don't know if it's going to do them any good. They don't know if he's actually going to intervene for whatever reason. And sometimes they blame God and they say, God doesn't care about us. He doesn't care about me for sure. He's let me down in the past. I've asked him for stuff and he hasn't come through. Or they could be blaming themselves. He could feel like, I know I'm unclean. I know I've got problems. I know I've done things and said things. And, and, and I am probably not worthy. God probably has every right to say to me, I'm not going to heal you. And so whether he feels unworthy of the healing or whether he just feels that God is unwilling to come through for him, whatever the disconnect is, he's at least sitting on that maybe. Now, there are people that would say, well, that just doesn't happen. People don't get healed. If you're sick, you're sick and you stay sick and that's what happens. It's all science. It's all medicine. And this guy goes, maybe... Maybe Jesus could, maybe Jesus would. Like he can do it, but maybe he would. Maybe, maybe he'll say yes to this. So he's got some hope, but he's not sure. And so he's got a yes to one question, but the other one is sitting at maybe, and he's stuck in the middle, hoping that he can get some help, but not sure that Jesus wants to fix his problem. And he acknowledges my problem is twofold. It's that my body is riddled with leprosy, but I also feel unclean. I need to be cleansed. So he gives the question and he's got his yes and he's got his maybe, but he poses it to Jesus. And so the scripture tells us that Jesus moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. And he says, I am willing be healed. And in that moment, the guy's whole life changes. Like for him, it's yes and maybe, but for Jesus, it's yes and yes, right? Like he believes both. He, be he, he knows that he can heal the man and he knows that he wants to. He's decided where he stands, and there's no maybe for Jesus. There's no maybe you're worthy of this. There's no maybe I'm willing to do it. There's nothing that stands between Jesus and saying, yes, I am willing, and yes, I'm going to do it right now. And he does it. 
He's not short of power, and he's not short of concern for this man's plight. He looks into his eyes, and it says he's moved with compassion, like he feels for this guy. He sees the man suffering, and he cares that the man is suffering. So he's not just able to heal him, he's willing to heal him. He says, there's no question. You may come at this with a maybe, but let me tell you right now, the answer is yes, I am willing. So what do we do with that? How do we approach that? What does that tell us about God? What does that tell us about our relationship with Jesus other than the fact that he isn't just the powerful God of the universe that creates everything. He isn't just the one out there that does stuff and judges in the end. That's not him aloof from his creation, but that he cares about what you're going through. That he loves you in the middle of your circumstances. He looks at you broken even if some of the brokenness comes from your own choices. And he says, I want to help. I want to do something for you. I am willing to intervene in this situation and make it better. For Jesus, the answer to the question, and I know this is going to be controversial for some people, the answer to the question, does he want to heal you, is yes. Sit with that for a minute, because in this story... For this man, that made all the difference. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that because we can just say it and it's going to happen. And, and, and I know that we all know people who are sick and we pray for them and they don't necessarily get better. And we've had people in our own church family that have suffered with cancer and we've prayed for healing again and again. And they're not sitting in those seats this morning because they're gone from here. My friend, uh, when I was a teenager, my best friend, his mom, uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And she, she suffered gradually, and, and, and she prayed about it. She was a woman of faith. She prayed for healing. People met with her. They prayed for healing for her. They would gather around her bed and, and, and pray for long periods of time. And, and, and she had said, I know that God is going to heal me. And for me and my friend, we were watching in this whole scene unfold and, and I'd go to visit him and she'd look a little bit worse and we'd chat with her for a little bit and then we'd go about our routines. We were teenagers. We, we, we got distracted. We went around, you know, and, and left and did our thing and had fun. We'd come back and I'd see her again and go, oh yeah, she's hurting. And she, she had moments when she rallied and then there were times when there were disappointments and eventually... Things were looking so dire, they called the family around and, and they let them know that she's not going to last much longer. Say your goodbyes. So my friend Barry, he, he was there with his mom. And as they gathered around and they talked with her and, and she said what she needed to say and they said what they needed to say, she said, you know, I always knew I was going to be healed. I just didn't know it was going to be the ultimate healing. For her, she had come to terms finally with the fact that her body in this world was going was gonna to go, that she wasn't going to last physically, that she wasn't going to be there to watch her daughter and her grandkids. She wasn't going to be there to see my friend Barry get married 
or live his life or provide her with other grandchildren. She was going to miss all of that. She didn't know exactly what she was going to miss, but she knew that she was going. But she said, I knew I was going to be healed, but I didn't think about it as the ultimate healing, meaning I know that this body is worn out and I'm done with it, but I will get another body. And I will live forever in that body. And I won't have the aches and I won't have the pains and I won't have to worry about it wearing out because it's made to last. She knew that what God would do next would bring wholeness to her and she didn't know if it would be in this world or in the next. And eventually she realized it wasn't this world. But God met her in that moment and gave her to faith, the faith to, to face her fo- final moments in this world knowing that was not the end and it wasn't tragic and it wasn't terrible because she had come to believe with all her heart not only in the power of God but in the goodness and the love of God. And so she knew he cared about her. She knew that whatever her future would be, whether it was here or it was there, it would be what was best for her. And we can struggle with believing in the goodness of God and we can struggle with his concern for us. And we might think maybe he doesn't love me, but maybe he doesn't love me for good reason. Like maybe that's my fault. I know what I'm like. Or maybe we blame him. And we say, if only he cared about me the way he seems to care about some people. And Mark wants us to know that that's not the kind of God we're dealing with. And that when Jesus came and he walked around this earth, some of the first things he did was to establish that he cares about sinners and he cares about people who are broken and he cares about our struggles and he cares about the things that press in on us and crush us and make us feel like we can't go on. And he makes the difference so that he brings wholeness and cleanness. And the wholeness isn't always, doesn't always mean that physical problems go away and that diseases are vanquished. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. But the love of God is no more lacking in situations where he doesn't bring that kind of healing because there is ultimate healing. Because there is wholeness. Because God cares and he knows what's best. And so he always heals and he always makes whole one way or another when we trust him. But as you look at this simple story, there's more to it than that. There are times when Jesus is walking and somebody touches the hem of his garment, right? And, and they're healed because they've made this act of faith. They've trusted that Jesus can heal them and they've received healing from him. There are other times uh, when it's like the centurion, he's, he's a guy who knows what authority means. And he goes, when I tell my soldiers to do something, they better do it. So they do it. They go running and they hop to it. And he goes, you don't even need to come see my daughter. You can just say the word from here. You can have the word and, and you won't even need to go meet her. You won't ever look her in the eye. You won't have to lay hands on her or lay eyes on her. Just say the word and she'll be healed. And Jesus goes, all right. 
And he says the word, and she's healed. And when the guy gets home, his child is healed. One time, he, he spit and put it in the guy's eyes. He's got a different method, it seems, every time. But this time, it's very telling what he does. Because this guy's a leper. So Jesus touches him. I've learned not to underestimate the power of that. I can think of a few times in my life when touch was so important. I can think of the moment when they laid hands on me and they ordained me as a minister. And God called me to this. And there's somebody's hands on my head and they're praying for me. And they're welcoming me into the fellowship of those who get to do this, get to talk about Jesus and get paid for it. Best job in the world. I can think of moments when people gathered around me to pray for me when I was in my accident and they laid hands on me and they, there's hands on my shoulders and on my back and, and, and I could feel their presence as they spoke words and they pleaded with God to bring me healing and wholeness and put me back on my feet. And it took a long time, but I walk without a limp and it's a beautiful thing. I love it. When I first came to Whitewater, every one of you looked like this, right? And I thought, I've never done this before. I've never gotten to know a whole bunch of new people when I couldn't see anything but their eyes. It was a lot longer getting to know faces and names, and it felt really weird. Like there were only a few people who stuck out their hands to shake hands, and I'll admit to the rest of you now, if you're a little nervous about, you know, if you were nervous about COVID, I shook people's hands. Like, anybody who stuck their hand out, I just shook it. I took my chances. And I was the last one on staff to get sick. So I don't know, maybe, maybe handshaking was the, was the cure. But it was, it was a nice thing. But I can think of one moment when I was walking out to the end of my street in the middle of the pandemic, and I would walk down to the mailbox or to the post office to, to get my mail out of my mailbox. I'd walk down to get my mail because it got me out of the house and I could see people and I could see people with no masks on. It wasn't like you guys, but there were human beings. And this one day I rounded the corner on the Saturday. I was just going for a walk and I turned onto Main Street and I faced two ladies from our church walking up the other way. And they went, oh, and, and me being a clown, I just went, oh, are you, are, are you blocking my way or are you offering me a hug? So they both hugged me. And if you can remember what it felt like in the pandemic when like nobody was getting even within range of each other and I hadn't gotten to know as many people as I would like to and I hadn't gotten that close fellowship of the saints, those hugs were healing. <laughs> I was like, I haven't hugged anybody in a long time other than Roxanne. I mean, she hugs me, don't worry. Like, like clockwork, every three months I get at least a hug. But it was, it was beautiful to just get hugged because, you know, that kind of contact, that casual friendship wrapping their arms around you hadn't been there for a long time because of the pandemic. And it was healing. And I can only imagine this guy who had had leprosy for years and nobody came near him and nobody spoke at any, anything closer than a far distance and people just kept their distance and didn't want to touch him because they're afraid that they would get sick too. And here's Jesus, the healer. 
And he says, if you're willing, you can heal me. And Jesus says, I am willing, be healed. But then he reaches out. He touches him. And the guy who felt like he was unclean to everybody else felt like Jesus had just validated his humanity. Like he was a person worthy of being touched. And so Jesus undoes all that damage where he felt alone and isolated and separated and dirty and unworthy. And so Jesus wants to heal us. But why isn't everybody healed? What is the difference? And one of the things that made the difference for this guy is his first approach to Jesus is he kneels and he puts himself in Jesus' hands and he trusts him. He says, I know that you can heal me. I believe in you. Would you heal me, Jesus? I don't know if you're willing, but I want you to, and I'm asking. And so as he kneels there, Jesus decides, you know, tells him, I've already decided where I stand. I've decided I have the power, and I've already decided I want to use it. And now as he makes his decision to put his trust in Jesus, he receives the very thing that he needs the most. And then things get a little strange, and we've seen it before, but Jesus says, it says that he sent him on his way. So Jesus instructs the man in verse 43. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anybody about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required by the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. He says, you need to do this thing because it'll be a public testimony to everybody that you're clean, that it's safe to get close to you, that you've been made whole. And so Jesus says, go do the, do the offering and make it public that you've been healed, that you're okay now, that you're safe to be around. But he says, don't tell anybody what I just did. Like, don't tell them that it was me that did this. Don't tell them about this moment of healing. And so it sounds like a strange thing to do. If you're going to make it public, why, why not take the credit? Why not let people know? Why not let people know so that they can put their faith and they can go run into Jesus too? But he says that he sent him away with this stern warning. And we've seen stories like this before where Jesus says, don't tell anybody, like keep it to yourself. And then word gets out anyway. And so the testimony is for the glorifying of God's so that others will seek God and seek his healing. But Jesus specifies that this isn't about him looking for credit or attention. It's not that it's a secret that the guy has been healed. So why does Jesus tell him, don't tell them I did this? And for that, we look at the next verse. The result of the man telling everyone. It says, but the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. And as a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. 
Like all of a sudden, things got so crazy and there were so many people looking for Jesus that the minute he got spotted in town, there were people cramming around him and he couldn't move about freely and he couldn't go where he needed to go and he couldn't get next to the people who needed to meet with him, who needed healing from him, who needed to have those personal encounters. It inhibited his movement so they couldn't even get into a town. And so he had to stay, it says, out in the secluded places. But people from everywhere kept coming to him. And then you start to understand that Jesus doesn't keep it a secret because it's shameful. And he doesn't keep it a secret for some unknown reason. But that at least one of the things that motivates him is being able to move around freely and meet with people intimately and talk to the people without everybody clamoring around him so that he could have this kind of encounter. See, Jesus puts his own fame and his own praise, the praise that he rightfully deserves for the things he's doing and the healing he brings, he sets that aside and goes, no, it's more important that I be able to meet with who I need to meet with and that I be able to help the people who need my help the most. And anything that gets in the way of that, I'm going to set that aside, keep it a secret so I can move around and I can do what I need to do for the people that need me to do it. His first priority isn't just to get praised, although he deserves so much praise. His first priority is us. His first priority is we who are broken, who need him and need his intervention, and need him to help us, and need him to cleanse us more than anything. And so Mark wants us to know that even though Jesus is completely worthy of glory, to know who he is is to know how much he loves his people, and the people who would seek him, and anyone who would bend their knee and come to him and ask for help, and be willing to put it on the line and say, if you're willing, and he's, his answer is always yes. I'll do exactly what you need. I'll give you what you need to walk away clean and whole. Whatever that's going to end up looking like. So Mark lays that out for us so that we will know that the God that we serve is not one that is aloof and in heaven. He is not just involved in the world in such a way that he's watching so that he can judge whether we're worthy or unworthy. Like that has already been settled. We're not worthy, any of us. There are lots of reasons if God was looking for one to not be willing to look after us not be willing to intervene on our behalf, not be willing to suspend the laws of nature to make sure that we're okay. But Jesus proves again and again that he loves us so intensely that he is willing to look after us and set aside his own praise and set aside everything that's happening so that he can focus on what we need. He's made up his mind where he stands with you. And if you have walked around your world wondering whether he loves you because of him or because of you, set your mind to ease right now and know that he loves you. 
He loves you completely and wholly. He knows everything you've done, and he doesn't care about that enough to write you off. He cares about you enough that he wants to make you clean, and he wants to make you whole. And he wants to fix what's truly broken, even though you and he may have a different idea of which stuff is the priority stuff that needs to be changed. But he wants things made right, and he's willing to do that. He's decided where he stands. Choice is yours. For those who are willing to kneel and say, Jesus, I need help. Whatever is going on and whatever situation they're facing and however great the odds that we feel it is that nothing is going to change and everything's going to go south, he says, I am willing. And he steps into human history again and again and again and again and he makes people whole. And he makes people clean. And for those of us who have decided to follow him, if you remember that first moment when you knew you did not deserve his love and he made you clean for the first time and all the guilt of every shameful thing you've ever thought and every shameful thing you've ever done and every bad decision you've ever made is wiped away and he looks you in the eye and says, you are mine. Hear the voice that this leper heard. I'm willing. Be healed. And know that he feels the same way about you as he felt about that guy. 